Hey, it's Angela Yee from Way Up with Angela Yee. Imagine swapping your car keys for a chance to move your body, better mental health, connecting with your community, and creating memories without spending money. Join me and embrace nature's pace by taking a walk, hike, or a bike ride with Rails to Trails Conservancy, because our time on the trail is so much more than a day outside. Get ideas for getting outside at reelstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? It's Way Up with Angela Yee, and it is a Wealth Wednesday, and I'm here with my Wealth Wednesday partner, Stacey Tisdale. Happy Way Up. We are going to take you super high today. Yeah, I mean, this is Way Up. And Jasmine Brand is here <laughs> with me. This is the definition of Way Up. <laughs> and we have Julia Hart with us. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank super you. We're excited to have really you. Nice. Julia and I have been friends, and I'm just watching what she's been going through and just always come out of it creating a new something new reminds mm-hmm. me of somebody else I know. <laughs> well, thank you. Serial building things, but we're really excited to have you here. Thank you, and I, you know, I'm so grateful for our friendship. Honestly, like I knew we would be friends like the second we met. You know. Well, I love it. You know, and we've been watching you Did on I? My Unorthodox mm-hmm. Life two seasons so far. Third season confirmed. I'm not allowed to legally say. So yes, okay. No, no, don't say that. Oh my God, we're gonna break news right here. We're breaking news. No comment. Zero comments. I actually started watching my unorthodox life before I met you. Oh wow! And I had no idea how you showed how restrictive. Oh yeah. That is, and so many people I know living in New York don't understand that that lifestyle, particularly what it is for women. Yeah. So how did you get from there? to all of the career amazing things that you've done and to ultimately being an advocate for women entrepreneurs. How did that, what happened to you affect that? Well, I think, you know, I think the, the, the reality is that we really don't know what we're capable of. We, and especially as women, I think we've been told so frequently every day of our lives that we're not capable, that we shouldn't push, that we shouldn't demand, that we shouldn't want equality, that When I left my community, you know, I left at 42. I didn't know a single person in the outside world. 
And it literally was the outside world. There was my world and the outside world. And I still think about them that way because my world was in the 1800s. The outside world was in the 21st century. I'd never been on a date. I'd never been to a bar. I didn't know what a, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that there was such a thing as getting roofied. Like I knew literally zero. You couldn't wear pants, right? I wasn't allowed to wear pants. I wasn't allowed to educate myself. I I lived in a very ultra-religious Jewish community. Um, And I I know that, you know, recently there's been a lot of talk about laws in Iran, you know, that women can't be educated and that they can't sing in public. They can't dance in public. They need permission to get married. They don't live alone. That was my world. When I see these laws there, I'm like, that's Muncie, New York. Mm. The only difference is nobody beats us or kills us or Mm -hmm. poisons us or throws us in jail. But the those are the only people, you know. Right. The the conformity. I mean, you they punish you through your children, because if you don't conform, your children won't get proper matches or marriages and therefore their lives will be miserable. And so you're forced to conform if you love your children. What was the turning point for you? Because we watch on the show. Right. And we see even your oldest daughter and your youngest son. They're still very much like connected, I think, more than you you know, to that upbringing. So interestingly enough, Bacheva today is a bacon-eating, crab-loving Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, her daughter really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her daughter, yes. her daughter yes. really stepped out. Yeah. My daughter is full-on 21st century. Wow. Okay. She does not allow anyone to limit her or to make her feel that they have control of, over what she puts on her body mm-hmm. or what she puts in her mouth or who she loves or how she loves or when she loves. And that's an interesting transformation to see because it is hard when you've been raised a certain way to feel like this is not the right thing. Oh, it's, it's you don't have to understand. Most people who leave my community commit suicide or go on drugs because we're not we we're not equipped to handle the 21st century. The reality is I lived in the 1800s. Whenever people say, explain your world to me, I, I say, think Bridgerton minus the fancy balls and the gorgeous dresses, but where women were married off, they mm-hmm. were uneducated, they were told that their minds were inferior to men, they were not allowed to live alone, and if they were impure or misbehaved in any way, end of story. Everything dependent on the match. That was the only thing a woman could, you know, hope to achieve is a really good match. And that's the world I, I grew up in. And I, I actually want to show you something really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I first started talking about it and saying like, hey, this is what's going on in my world, I was told I'm exaggerating and that the education in my community is amazing and all of the above. Someone sent me a letter from 2020. So this is, God, I'm going to age myself now, but I graduated in 1989. Mm-hmm. So we're talking over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I can, can I read an excerpt from it? Because it tells yes. you everything you need to know. So it says as follows. Dear parents, in the last year, it's becoming increasingly prevalent for high school girls to be preparing themselves and working towards a college degree. <sighs> this is not the reason Claudia Stahl has established Beis Yaakov schools for Bnei Yisrael, meaning the Jewish people established these Beis Yaakov, the school that I went to, not in order to actually educate their daughters. Um, The reason was a direct connection to Torah. It was to become the sole source of their learning and connection to life, to have them connected to any college in any form, which is an independent source, or should we say an outside source, during those years that were set aside for them to draw life from Torah, from the Bible, 
is not to their benefit, is detrimental, and love this next word, antithetical to base Yaakov schooling. And it goes on, um, and it says, the fact that the college courses may be Chumash, Halacha, etc., these are not colleges like you're thinking. These are not Stanford and Columbia as they're talking about. These are colleges and universities that are still fully religious, mm-hmm. still completely separate. Men and women don't learn together. They're still learning the same subjects. But since they're technically colleges, they're forbidden. So, and then it says, for all purposes, once your daughter has connected herself to college, she has disconnected herself from her Torah learning which is her only source in life. If your daughter is presently preparing for or taking any college courses, please make an appointment to discuss this with us. And then at the very end, I don't know if you can see it here, you have two little things where you check. Check one is my daughter is not taking any college oh my gosh. courses. Check two is my daughter is taking college courses or preparatory tests. I would like to set up an appointment. Oh my goodness. That's great. What gave you the courage to lead that life? My daughter, Miriam. That's that's the reason I'm alive today is because of my daughter Miriam. So what did she? What happened? What did she? So do specifically my daughter Miriam was a tiny, tiny little rebel. Literally from the day she was born. You have to understand. I grew up in a world where women are covered head to toe from about by the time they're three years old. And my daughter was a born nudist. I could not keep clothes on this girl's body for love or money. My son's friends would come over and she'd be walking around in a little four-year-old body without any clothes. It was something I could do. I would put clothes on. She would take, take them, them off. off. That was it. And that was, she just always walked by her own path. And then um, she was in second grade and, you know, you go into PTAs, right? And they had on the wall... Like all these little, they had, the assignment was, if you could walk in someone's shoes, whose shoes would you walk in? And then, you know, as parents, we come in and we look at the little wall of everybody. And everyone basically wrote the same thing. My sainted grandmother who had 17 children and never cried. My sainted mm-hmm. mother who had 24 children. And, you know, I mean, I have friends who had 16 children. I have mm. friends who have 12 children. Uh, I, I We counted recently, unless there's a new one that I don't know about. I have 49 nieces and nephews. My goodness. Oh, my God. Okay. And you have four children yourself. I that do. Feels like I a was lot. pregnant four, 10 <laughs> times. Four feels like a lot. I was pregnant 10 times. I could actually have had 10 children. I just miscarried six times. Wow. I'd go to the hospital and I'd miscarry. And, you know, usually miscarriage is a very painful, traumatic, traumatic yeah. difficulty. For me, it was relief because I didn't want to have 10 children. Right. I didn't want to be pregnant every five minutes. But you went from that life to leaving. You're yeah. saying largely inspired by your daughter. So Miriam, so anyway, on, on this wall, you're, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm going to go real fast. Miriam, uh, so everyone else was like, my sainted grandmother, my sainted, my, my little daughter says, why would I want to walk in anyone else's shoes? My fathers are too big. My mothers are too high. I think <laughs> I'll go through life walking in my own shoes. I love in it. second grade. I love it. And then when she got a little older, when I was in my mid-30s, she wanted to play soccer. She's very sporty. She's won Spartan race twice for women, not just her age group, but all women in San Francisco. She plays basketball and just, you know, she swims and rides and all this stuff. She wanted to play soccer. And my husband told her, you can't. Now, we're talking about a, I don't remember if she was five or seven, a child. And he said, you can't because you're wearing a skirt and because you can't wear pants. Right. You're wearing a skirt, and if your knees show while you're playing, a man walking by the field may see your knees and get turned on, and then you're gonna it's gonna be your fault because men, you're responsible for men's actions. And so that's why you can't play soccer. 
Now, mm-hmm. let's not talk about the fact what kind of man gets turned on by a five-year-old's knees exactly. or an eight-year-old's knees or an 11-year-old's right. knees. Total okay. women's responsibility. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. And my little daughter, and I, she was under 10, she looks at my fa- her hus- my, my husband, her father, and says, oh, well, is he responsible for my sins? And I was like, yeah, what she said. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Because she gave me permission to question. Because until then, my whole life, I felt this dichotomy between who I was and who I was told I had to be. But everyone around me was happy. Everyone around me followed those rules. So to me, it was like, what's wrong with me that I'm not okay with being silent and right. subservient and being told that I can't. Not only wasn't I allowed to read secular literature, I wasn't even allowed to read religious literature because my mind was too light. Women were not capable of uh, understanding and comprehending deep esoteric subjects. In the Talmud, which is where most of the laws that govern our lives exist, says that a man who educates his daughter is teaching her prostitution. Oh, my goodness. How do you get from that to (laughs) and all the self-esteem and all the stuff that came with it to you left that and you started your own shoe line? Because I figured if I can time travel, I can pretty much do anything. (laughs) That's what it was. It was Mm -hmm. when I left. It was such an insane thing. Nobody leaves. People don't leave, especially women, because generally when you leave, your children stay and you have no relationship with them. And I wasn't leaving without my kids. It just wasn't going to happen. So people just don't leave. And so if I, I, it's, it was like going from this world to Mars. Right. Like imagine if someone said to you at your, at this age, whatever age you are, you guys all look like you're 20, but (laughs) whatever age it is, imagine if someone said, okay, pack your shit. Excuse my language. I'm allowed to say that on this. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Pack your shit. You're going on a spaceship to Mars and you're going to have to figure it out by yourself, by yourself. You're the only person on the spaceship. That's what it feels like. This is a unique situation because your ex-husband, he does still, like, you still are able to go back and see your youngest son. My husband left the community. Mm -hmm. He's no longer a black hatter. He's still religious. He still keeps, you know, kosher and Chavez. But he married a woman who does not cover her hair, Hmm. who has a college degree. But you're friends with. And I love her. I think she's amazing. So... I managed to even get my husband, my ex-husband out of that world. And, you know, when we first got engaged, he proposed to me in a parking lot and his proposal after I think we'd been we'd known each other for like nine hours, 10 hours. And he said, um, will you be my Aisha Kyle? Which means will you be my women of valor? And a woman of valor is someone who plows and cleans and does all the things so her husband can be great. Right. We're the stepping stone for someone else's greatness. His second proposal was in Puerto Rico. With his girlfriend. Oh, wow. What a difference. Big difference. And they called me from Puerto Rico and said, Julia, thank you. Julia, let me ask you this. When that happened, when you first got proposed to, were you horrified? Like, what was that? Or were you like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So thank goodness this happened for me. I went on a hunger strike. (laughs) Didn't work, but I tried. Mm -hmm. Because I'd already said no to two guys, which is like, you know, that's not a good thing. And so my mother literally said, if he's not an axe murderer... You're marrying her. Why'd you say no to the first two guys? Well, the first guy I said no to, um, well, because I found him terribly unattractive, to okay. be honest. Fair. And he was like an absent-minded professor. He drove it exactly 30 miles, and I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> it, just, it just annoyed me after the one day. I couldn't imagine the, being married. What about the second and guy? And the second one, this is really embarrassing. Um, the second one was because I didn't think he was religious enough. I wanted to... The nerve of you. Can you imagine how <laughs> right. ridiculous I was? 
what nixed it is that he told me he went to baseball games. And I was like, what? You were horrified. So what? He's a... <laughs> I mean, what kind of person wastes time on baseball when he should be learning Torah? I need to sacrifice my life for Torah. That's literally how I was taught. Okay. So that's wasn't when you were very enough. young. Oh, yeah. I was, I was a teenager. And your daughter changed everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, I was a she kid. She was like your inner voice, yeah. She was my inner voice because mm-hmm. I wanted so bad. You have to understand, most people want to be good. We don't wake up in the morning and think, how can I do evil to yeah. me? Right? We want to be good. We want God to love us. I wanted to be loved by God. I wanted to do what I thought he told me to do. I just couldn't keep it up because it was so antithetical to who I am as a human being. That took so much. What I'm trying to get at is how did you educate yourself to become a businesswoman? I read. Mm-hmm. I became a voracious reader. I read everything from Euripides to Voltaire to Spinoza to Descartes. Uh, you name it. I've read it. I have two kids, one who graduated, just graduated Columbia and Miriam who graduated Stanford University. And I would have them send me their reading lists every quarter. They have still not sent me a book I hadn't already read. <laughs> that's wow. amazing. Literally. That's we how I educated have some for myself. You. About business. Well. <laughs> business, history, marketing, fashion, everything I could get my hands on. But you were always into fashion. And the first thing you did was start the Julie oh, Hart yeah. shoes. I mean, <laughs> I've been drawing my first love of fashion when I was three years old because, you know, I, I was so I was traded for grain. My family and I were traded for grain. We came out of Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, America got my parents and me. Russia got grain because there was a grain embargo at the time. And I was, uh, they took us to several internment camps before we got here. So I spent a bunch of months in Vienna, Austria, and then a bunch of months in the Vatican. And there, this little boy, he was like five to my three, um, and he used to do all these all chores. And he took all that money and he bought me my first Italian handbag. Oh, my goodness. And that was it. I fell in love with fashion. <laughs> that was it. That was no it. turning back. No turning back. And then I started drawing and designing. I couldn't help myself. Like, I just, I thought fashion is the personal expression of who we are today. To me, it's it's freedom. I watch your show really to see what you have on, too. And not just you, but like your whole family. To it's see amazing. the luggage, to see the shoe the closets. Shoes. I've been in her closet. To see the bags, to see, you know, the everybody on the show is... Yeah has got that sense of fashion. We love it because it's self-expression. You have to understand, I grew up in a world where I, I wasn't supposed to wear colors. I got called into the rabbi's office all the time because I was too noticeable because I was wearing pink and yellow and red. And and he would say to me, Julia, you're too noticeable. Stop with the colors. And I would say, the day that God's world is all gray and black, you can convince me that God doesn't like colors. I look out my window and I, that's right, God made color, I'm putting it on my body. Do you feel like people, and I noticed this, right? You've, you're an entrepreneur and you've really built yourself up. Like you said, you moved out when you were in your 40s and you had a lot to learn. But I feel like people try to downplay it. Like there's no way she was able to do that. It's not possible to build this hundreds of millions of dollars empire mm, without years, something else yeah. happening. Uh, yes. And I'm, they also try to act like it's not you that did always. it with your own grit. How does that make you feel? And do you think that's because you're a woman? I think 1000% it's because I'm a woman. Um, when season one came out, I was accused of marrying my husband for his money. And even though when I married him, he had lost all his money. All he had left was EWG and a few million dollars. I kept my mouth shut because I loved him. And I allowed myself to be accused of marrying someone for their money to get a leg up uh, because out of pure love. But, you know, my first brand, uh, which was Julia Hart Shoes, I have texts from there because I did get propositioned by people who invested in my company. Wow. And I told them, 
this company is about freedom. And if I have to sleep with someone or fake an emotion to have it, then there's no point in it. I have never once ever done anything that wasn't authentic and true to who I am. And I think the reason I constantly get accused of this is because what I did is unusual and it is very fast and it is hard to believe. And I think that there are many people in the world who they hear my story and one of two things happen. Most people hear my story and start their own careers or leave difficult spouses or leave communities that have held them down. I've had women from all over the world, from Ethiopia and Rwanda and New Zealand, I mean, you name it, women who have told me that they chose not to commit suicide after they watched my show, who've started their businesses. I was at a fashion event once and this woman came over to me and she bursts out crying, bursts out crying. And, and she's like, you don't know what you did for me. And she pulls down her dress and there are cigarette butts cigarette burns in mm. over her entire back and she said the day I finished watching your show I picked up my stuff and I walked out the door so I've had women from all over the world send me messages of how what I've done helped them then there are people who look at what I've done and they feel like well I should have done more and they feel guilty and they feel like well if she did this what excuse do I have and so they don't want me to succeed because mm -hmm. my success kind of says you can mm. And that's difficult for people to hear. You know, but your record speaks for itself. When you got to Elite World Group, yeah. it was one thing. I mean, when and I got you changed it into something completely, completely different, different that's completely about empowering women. Exactly. Tell us, tell us that journey. So, you know, when I took over EWG, it was a, it was a modeling agency. Mm -hmm. um, the number one modeling agency. It was an amazing modeling agency. Um, but, you know, m my husband had tried and so to sell it because, again, he had lost his money and he couldn't even get $70 million for it. When I took it over, I realized that it shouldn't be a modeling agency at all. Mm -hmm. To me, think about it. Who, what is media? I heart media. What's media? Media is whoever has the audience. That's media. So it's not the Vogue magazines anymore or the television shows or the billboards. Who is the media now? Mm -hmm. People like you and talent. Right. Talent is the media. Nowadays, when someone wants to see what Kendall Jenner is wearing, they don't go on Vogue. They go on her Instagram page. And when you think about that, then they're the new media. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that do? It does three things. It completely shifts the power dynamic because it used to be that they would stand in line and they could only be famous if a creative director liked them, if a casting agent or a, you know, a, a magazine editor. They had to beg and stand and say, and please choose me and, and be abused. And there's only a limited amount of space. And there's just, that's it. You're too fat, you're too tall, you're too thin, you're too this, you're too that. Nowadays, it's the creative directors and the magazine editors chasing them because they're the ones with the audience. So once I recognize that, I'm like, we can actually put the power in the hands of our talent if we treat them like brands and networks. And so I brought in-house everything that you could possibly need for that so that we started to create and curate their content. And then we realized, oh, wow, we're sitting on billions of people's data. We can actually choose the person. I wanted to make advertising honest. Mm -hmm. So the people who advertise things in my, in my uh, company are people who actually use the product, believe in the product, because we were able to see from who they were and what they did, what product would be commensurate with what person. And that created a massive longevity in their career because when they were finished the runway or the tennis court or the football stadium or whatever it was, they were brands. 
they could create product. So they could still be making money in their 50s and 70s. And then the next thing that I did, first thing was longevity. Then the next thing I did was eternity. Because in 2019, I also started Metaverse and Avatars. Mm -hmm. People thought I was crazy. Uh, We went, uh, we were going through a public process before. This is pre-Meta. This is way pre This is two and a half years before, well, two years before Meta. And uh, I started building the most hyper-realistic avatars in the world. Ours are unbelievable. You could literally see the pores on their face. Did Miriam have anything to do with this too? Not, not okay. yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but, you know, we, we hired people from all over the world, from as far as Thailand to Egypt. I had a group of Egyptians who were brilliant, brilliant avatars creators. And we developed this system to create avatars that walk, talk, move, jump, laugh, sound like the person they represent. And I mean, so hyper realistic. If you look at like Decentraland or any of those things, they look like Lego characters. Right. Mine look like humans. The <laughs> products look like the products. You could almost feel the leather or the soft silk. And so we started, we started creating avatars of our talent because think about this: they could be sleeping in bed, and their avatars could be walking seventeen runways simultaneously in seventy different countries. <laughs> When they're 70. I need one for the show. Seriously. <laughs> everyone's going to get one. No joke. I'm, I'm working on a plan right now with um, HeartSphere, but, you know, I, I need to wait until the, the divorce is finalized. But I'm working on this plan where basically we've brought down the cost of making avatars so low that it'll be something that every person owns mm-hmm. because you can talk to your avatar. And your avatar starts talking like you wow. and thinking like you. Oh, that scares me. What if your that? avatar goes out and cheats? Does that mean, is that, is, are you <laughs> the, beauty about, the beauty of it is that you control it, honey. This is all you. It wasn't me, it was my avatar. Right? He is wild. <laughs> but imagine if you could leave, like, you know how people write books for their children? <laughs> imagine if instead of reading a book about, I don't know, think uh, Audrey Hepburn or, um, you know, Mother Teresa or one of these people. Mother Teresa's avatar could talk to you and tell you about her entire life and you would hear it from her. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's eternity. And that's what we're creating. We we built a system where you could literally, these avatars will live forever. And, you know, let's just pick a singer. I'm not saying that we made it of this singer. I don't know. Pick one, CSCR, anyone, any singer. Imagine her avatar could be making music 200 years from now. Imagine if she's not only leaving her... Po- the songs that she wrote in her lifetime, but her avatar will have her ability, her voice, her creativity. Think about that. Who benefits from it financially, though? Of course they do. It's yeah. their avatar. So, yeah. yeah, your family, like they, that's generational. That's it. It's generational. And that's like a documentary, too, because I think about, like, Teddy Pendergrass, they did a documentary about him, but they were able to do a lot because he had um, recorded himself Exactly. Talking. Prince also. Yeah. yeah. And so, so things like that are important to be able to tell your own story. That's right. Beyond while you're on this planet. Yeah. Now, and think about if you spend around six, seven months with your avatar and you constantly feed it more and more and more and more information. The avatar will know all your stories. They'll be able to answer questions. Your great, great, great grandchildren will be able to speak to you. That's what we're working on now. This is a great horror movie. I'm thinking of something. No, I think it's the most beautiful thing. We're not there yet. Just to be clear, we're not there yet. Where we are today is that the avatar can talk like you, walk like you, move like you. Where we're going is that they're going to start thinking like you. That's where we're going. This is branding on steroids. This is Yeah, I mean, that's my point. My point is that 
what, whatever work you do and, you know, you used to like, think about it, a model or a, a, um, a sports person, how many years do they play football? Right. How many years can they walk a runway? What happens after? Right. Well, I'll tell you what happens after. They're going to be making money for the next 100 years and their families will be making money for the next 100 years. When they're 70, their 25-year-old avatars could still be walking runways. That's amazing. Talk about something that you touched on, because a lot of our audience is entrepreneurs, and you really were touching on something amazing about the power of social media and the power of understanding the new... Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yes. So here's the thing that I think people are not cognizant of completely, and that is social media has a lot of problems, right? I get attacked all the time because it's easy to attack someone when you don't know them, right? There's this anonymity that allows you to say the most vicious, horrible things that you would never say to a person face-to-face. Yeah, been there, you know. Yeah, we all have. <laughs> oh, my God, you can't imagine the things I've been called. Sheesh. Um, but, uh, but 
it has something of insanely tremendous value, and that is it's democratized creativity. How so? Okay, think about it. If you wanted to be a singer, you'd have to get a record label. Mm -hmm. Now you go on TikTok. Yeah. You don't need to be anyone. You don't need to have anything. You could be from, I don't know, the mountains in Kentucky. You have talent. Mm -hmm. You now have a You don't a need a budget. Right. You don't need a budget. Mm -hmm. you, you don't need, need an team. agent. Yeah. You don't need a team. You don't need connections. You just need a phone and talent. You need <laughs> passion, desire, hunger, ambition, and hard work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is it has democratized all creativity, whether it comes from fashion. So many of the fat, new up-and-coming fashion designers were discovered on social media. Right. And for the talent, they're not begging a magazine or some dude with a camera to make them famous. The power is now in their hands. They talk directly to the audience. And especially during the pandemic, I think we really saw a lot of people being able to monetize Thanks to that. What was that like for you during that time period? So it was really, inc I mean, obviously COVID was terrible. I actually had a really, really bad case of COVID. I didn't do so well. I was like an OG COVID. I got in April 2020. Um, not so fun. But what it enabled us to do, because I had built these divisions prior to that, most people in the industry lost over 70% of their business during COVID. Everything was closed. Nobody was advertising. Um, and many companies basically fired over 100 people. Uh, a lot of talent management companies fired 100, 200 people. We fired maybe three, four, and we only lost 33%. And that was because of all of our digital advancements, we did this thing. We did all sorts of really fun, creative things where talent would um, pose at home or show products at home and do all these things because they'd been trained. They knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing a lot of digital advertising during COVID. And then, of course, with the avatars, I mean, <laughs> think about that. If I'd, if I'd gotten to it faster, your virtual avatar doesn't need to travel on an airplane. It doesn't doesn't get sick right it doesn't need to be in a hotel room <laughs> and so i mean god forbid I, sh I hope we never ever have another global pandemic but if we do i think if we all at that point own avatars our avatars will be able to communicate with one another we won't feel so alone you know there'll be that virtual connectivity and and i want to talk about self-care for a second because for you putting yourself out there having a show but then also having your book and exposing so much of your life and Oy. not being raised in a way where you're on Front Street like you are now. How do you deal with that? Not well. <laughs> because, you know, because it's, you're going through a public easy. divorce. People yeah. are saying things. Oh, it's really And people horrible. are watching the show and people are yep. talking about your whole family. So yeah. what are some things that you do? Because I know it's not easy for a lot of, of people now. Some yeah. people will tell you, well, when you're a celebrity, you sign up for that. But that's not necessarily true. You're trying to do your job, do things. And you're not really wanting to be you know, out there in that way. Right. And, you know, I think the part that was the most difficult is that, you know, when I got attacked and accused of stealing and lying and being a seductress and all this stuff, there was zero proof, mm -hmm. no documents. It was just one man saying, da, 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 da. I had hundreds of documents, stacks of proof didn't matter. The people because don't I care. was a yeah. woman, nobody cared. Yeah. People just didn't care. And it, almost destroyed me. I'm going to be honest. It almost destroyed me because it felt like I was back where I started, where men control me and their word matters more than mine. And I can have all the proof and all the truth. And it just doesn't matter. And I, there's only, and it, it was hard. The first six months were really rough, 
really, really hard. And I, I'll tell you the truth. The things that got me through were, number one, my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, they sat by me. Oh, I'm going to get all emotional. Sorry. They sat by me. They stood next to me. They held me. They literally defended me. I mean, I, I certainly, thank you. I certainly would not have survived without them. And then the second thing I did, the second thing was thanks to a Broadway show and a woman named Ellen Gavin. You know Ellen. Uh, when, when Roe versus Wade got repealed, it was the first time in my life I ever became politically active. I never did anything with politics. I was like, I'm going to make millions of women wealthy. I'm going to build my army of financially independent women. And I'll leave politics to the politicians. Except then the politicians took away rights of women. And I've been in a world where your body isn't your own. Mm -hmm. I'm not going back there. America cannot become Muncie. That just cannot happen. So I became extremely politically active. And I met this incredible woman, Ellen Gavin, who herself is a playwright and a storyteller and, and a massive, massive feminist. And... The day that the the uh, the ruling came down from Delaware, that I wasn't 50-50, uh, even though I had literally 82 documents, 42 documents, 50-50 tax returns, PPP loan applications, um, uh, IRS statements, bank statements, loan, everything said 50-50, but I was the liar. Go figure that one out. When that happened, I... I wanted, I really wanted to die. I want to die. I just, I like, I've been through so much. I fought so hard. And here again, a man is taking everything away from me. And Ellen calls me that day, maybe because it hadn't become public yet. And, and says, Hey, um, I have these two tickets to a show called Suffs. Um, and I just got COVID. I can't go. Do you want to go? And I'm thinking to myself, are you crazy? My whole life just fell apart. What do you mean? Seeing a Broadway show. And I sat there and I said, Julia Hart, you fucking pick yourself up from the floor and you go to this Broadway show because if you if you despair, he wins. Right. If women despair, That's the main thing. men win. I'm not going to let that happen. So I go to this show and it was about the suffragette movement. And that show literally changed my life, which is why I know that a story can move mountains and change universes. Because it was about the suffragette movement and there was this scene that they enact where the Women were arrested, imprisoned, put in literally like a dungeon and force fed through tubes because they went on a hunger strike. And I'm watching this and thinking to myself, you effing coward. What's happened to you? Okay, there's a few newspaper articles. Boo, boo, boo. (laughs) These women went to jail for demanding freedom. These women were tortured for demanding freedom. If they didn't give up the fight, I'm not giving up the fight. And since that day, have there been hard days? Sure. But since that day, my faith has been so immutable, so unshakable. I'm going to win. The truth will come out. And I will never give up. And I will never stop fighting until every woman's voice has equal validity and power to a man. And this has made you fierce. About oh, honey, I women. am fierce. I know that. I know that. But it's made you really fierce about making women financially independent. Oh, yes. Because, why you think that's so important. Because to me, freedom is not having to ask permission. Mm-hmm. And there is no freedom without financial independence. You know, when I was in La Perla, when I was creative director of La Perla, I would always go into the stores just to see how things are selling. And I will tell you, and I started collecting this, how many times I would go into a store and I would hear a woman say, well, let me ask my husband if I can buy this. Ooh. Yeah. Well, all the time. And it I wanted to go over and hug her and hold her and tell her, 
You don't need his permission. Go make your own money. I'm you can do it. Yeah. You, the minute you have to ask permission, you're not free. So to me, the essence, the quintessence of freedom is financial freedom. Because without financial freedom, you have no say, no voice. He who holds the, the, the wallet makes the rules. What kind of advice can you give to women that are in situations where they're not not financially independent right now? What kind of baby steps, small steps can they take to sort of get ready put them in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Love that. Here's the beauty about work. You don't realize what you're capable of until you just get started. So, you know, what I always tell people, um, I was, uh, my, I'm, I'm a, I hate zoos. I really will not go into a zoo because I don't like the idea of animals being caged, being caged yeah. for my viewing pleasure. I just think that's, that's not freedom. But my kids kept nudging and nudging and nudging when they were younger. Let's go to a zoo. So finally, I found the San Diego Zoo because they're, you know, not in enclosed in, in spaces. They kind of recreate their habitat. So we go to this animal, this one animal that can jump higher than any animal in the animal kingdom. It's some African elk. And the tour guide says, okay, where's the gate? Where's the fence? How are we keeping these animals in? We look around. There's literally nothing. No gate, no fence, no wires, nothing. We give up, and he points us to four telephone poles on the corners of the enclosure. And on the very top of these very, very, very tall telephone poles is like a half-pipe C. So imagine a pipe cut in half, like Mm -hmm. a long, curved C, connecting these four telephone poles. The way that this animal jumps is it goes to the edge of something, it looks up to calculate the distance, and then it jumps. This African elk would go up to the edge of the enclosure, look up, see that half pipe, and think there was a ceiling, and never jumped. They could have walked right through. There was no fence, no gate. It was here. And that's what I feel about women, mm-hmm. the the fence, the the ceiling, so much of it is in our minds. Yeah. We think we can't, and so we never try. So my advice is, I don't care what you do. Look, what did I do when I first started? I didn't have a college degree. I didn't know anyone from the outside. I sold life insurance. It was the only thing I could think of selling that you didn't need a degree for. Mm-hmm. If you you need to want it so badly that you can't breathe without it. You need to want to be free so badly that you are willing to work as many hours as it takes. You are willing to take, you know, when I first started, people would pat me on the head. People literally diminished me every day. And I just didn't care because in my eyes, I saw that I could accomplish. And that's to me, I don't care if you start working at a 7-Eleven. It doesn't matter what you do. Just get up and do something. And then figure out, okay, now that I have X amount, what can I do with this amount? Don't spend it on Clothing, don't spend it on anything. Invest it. Figure out, okay, I'm going to invest this to the next step. When you get to the next step, figure out, okay, what do I want the next step to be? But I would say that the first step in that journey, you've got to want it. And you also have always told told me that um, one thing that you really advise women and people in general about business, spend some time with yourself. Oh, yes. A lot of us don't do enough of that. Because when we're, like when we were even talking about social media and digital, I can just hear people, okay, oh, so I should do this, so I should do this, chasing. But yeah. it's really stop. Exactly. I mean, it's basically what we were talking about, which is you have to know what you want. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you want, you're not going to get it. Yeah. You've got to pick something. You have to pick a passion. Mm-hmm. And often with talent, especially because I was dealing with younger women, the first step was, okay, if I want to create your 
social media into a brand. You've got to give me what you love. What matters to you? Right. So there's so many people that want to do any and everything. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. Anything. yeah, yeah, yeah I can yeah, do yeah. that. I'll do that. I'll try this. I saw this work for this person. I'll yeah. do that. And you have to know what you're passionate about and then go really hard at it. Exactly. Yeah. Like Social for, media almost ruined that. Right. And journalism, because everybody's a journalist. That's everybody's it. Everybody, an expert. Everybody, everybody's that's the problem. Like, not, yeah. You've got to listen to your own voice. Like, you know, um, there was this one young woman that I was working with and she, and she wanted to build a brand. She wanted to eventually sell product. And she said, well, what product do I pick? How do I know? And I started talking to her and we came out with the fact that she's a massive lover of the ocean. She's uh, worked with, you know, over a dozen charities to help, you know, save whales and dolphins and help clean up water. And I was like, this is your love. Yeah. Forget about the bikini shots. Forget about how sexy you look when you're bending down. Show people what you love. When you go to these uh, charity events, Take your audience with you because one day when you're in your 30s and you're no longer walking a runway, you will make a product like a sunscreen that doesn't pollute the water. And everyone will understand why because they know you for that. So choose one thing. I always call it your angel. Mm -hmm. Choose your angel. What do you see when you wake up in the morning? What do you see when you go to sleep at night? Choose your angel and then focus on that. And that's your thing. You have to know what you want or you're never going to get it. What are your thoughts on marriage now? Oh, boy. Because <laughs> oh, that gosh. is a business arrangement. But, you know, you went through Ooh. it and we did see you going through it. Yes. And, but what are your thoughts now? Like moving forward, would yeah. you want to get married again? And if you did, what would be the okay. boundaries and the parameters of Ooh. that? And what type of agreement should we have, you know, in, in getting married? I love that. So. Here's my current philosophy. I'm not saying that I'll, I'll feel this way always. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I feel right now. What I feel right now is I totally understand marriage when people are younger and they want to have a family. I think your kids need to know that you're legally supposed to show up. And I think the spouses need to know that when the baby's vomiting and pooping and crying, that they're not going to be like, bye. Right. <laughs> I think at my age, I would much rather someone be with me because they want to be and they choose to be every day rather than because they think, oh, my God, to break this contract is going to be a giant, you know, pain in the ass. I might as well just stay married. So for me personally, will I do a ceremony? Sure. Commitment ceremonies Commitment are like all the ceremony. rage. What I do is, oh, really? That, is that a thing? It's oh, huge. And the younger, younger, the younger generation came up with it. It's like you go through the whole marriage <laughs> and fantastic. everything, but without that legal That's, yeah. document. And think about it. There are no mm -hmm. other legal contracts that are eternal. Mm -hmm. Everything has an expiration well, when date. When you reach a certain age, it comes down to like I, I realized when my father passed away and I went through all of the wills and uh, he had everything in place. I'm like, if he would have remarried, this would have been a disaster. Think about that. So it's like irresponsible parent when you're yeah. young, when you're younger, it's and whatever. But it's like half of this goes okay. to somebody. Yeah, system. totally. Spouse gets everything, and that's people it. don't understand. They that. don't understand. They don't that. understand. Okay, that. do you want to hear my crazy idea? Yes. Okay, this is my crazy idea. I can't wait. All right. <laughs> I think marriage licenses should be like driver's licenses. We just talked about this. Yeah. I said, yeah. You did not. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Every seven years, you know, you've got the seven-year itch. Okay. Hey, let's reassess. Let's reassess. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to continue, nothing. There's no courts. There's no this. The contract expires. Yes. Period. Right. And that way, people aren't, you know, I mean, also think about this. Historically, people lived into their mid-30s. 
They got married at like 15. They were dead by 35. They had 20 years. Nowadays, you could get married at 25. You could live till 100. <laughs> That's 75 years <laughs> with the yes. same person. Now, let's think about that. Do you think you're the same person at 20 that you are at 40 that you are at 70? No. The system wasn't designed for it this kind of overload. That's right. The system was not designed for people to live 100 years because, you know, 20 years you could get along with many people, right? Mm-hmm. 70 years? Like, people who get divorced in their 60s, beforehand, it was like, why? Why bother? You're going to die in yeah. five years, right? What's the point? Nowadays, people get divorced in their 60s. They have another 40 years. Yeah. Think about that. That's Marriage true. was not created to be this hundred year event it just wasn't and so we got to change the system because we're living longer you're gonna change some systems let's do it let's do it (laughs) one um (laughs) we're definitely gonna do a show about this the divorce (laughs) marriage commitment ceremony and i did just read and uh Sweden has the highest divorce rate, but the happiest people rate, because when you get a divorce, there is no financial obligation See, between there you go. former I mean, partners. That's it's just the law, so they can happily move in and out of marriage. That's it. Next show. This yeah. show, I think it's absolutely amazing that you are also moving into venture capital for yes. female entrepreneurs. And we, we, really we talked about this all the all time. The time women, women only do not get that right. money. 2% from... of venture capital goes to women. I think women of color is like 0.35%. Well, I I have something to talk about. I can't talk about it yet, but I do have that. some exciting news. <laughs> um, yeah, this is something that, you know, when... I couldn't work for EWG, and so I couldn't help make women financially independent. That way, I had to think of, what am I going to do this year? I'm not going to just sit around and not help people. That's my purpose in life, right? So we started making these uh, female founder forums meetings in my house where um, I would bring young female entrepreneurs and then VC financers, and the entrepreneurs would be able to present. And we got a lot of investment for these women. So it's been working really, really well. And now I have an idea to kind of take it nationwide Um, because, as you said, 2% of VC funding goes to women-led businesses, which, by the way, earn four times the investment than male-led businesses. Well, we want to help in any way we can once you're able to talk about it. It's, it's, It's something I'm really, really excited about. And I think we'll allow... A lot of every woman who wants to in America to have an opportunity to start something. That's incredible. So I'm really, really excited about that. And then, you know, I'm also I've got a few other projects um, that I'm really talk about the body. Yes. My plus body. So it's something that I invented. You've seen it in season one. The shape is amazing looking. It's really um, beautiful. Like, uh, you know, it doesn't look like shape and it doesn't have seams. It's really nice. I love something with no seams. That's right. Here's the thing about it. Like. Okay, now you know that my pop culture knowledge is a little fudgy, right? Because I only left nine years ago. I missed a few. I missed a few things. So I watched Bridget Jones's Diary. I think it was 2017. I know. I don't know when it actually played, but that's when I got to see it. I like that movie a lot. It's a great movie. Renee, right. And then there's that scene where she's trying to decide, does she wear the shapewear and granny panties? She's going better in her dress, but then she doesn't want to bring the guy home because no one wants to be caught dead in shapewear. And she decides to put it on, and it works, and the guy comes back, and she completely forgets that she has it on. Yeah. And there's that scene where she's on the floor, and he's undressing <laughs> her, and he's like, look at these naughty little shoes. Look at this naughty little... Oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> and then he starts playing with it. I'm like... And I thought to myself, what do women do? And then it's a $8 billion market, so millions of women all over the world are wearing shapewear. But shapewear is incredibly ugly, beige, yeah. white, and black. 
And the reason for that is because the minute you put color or pattern, because it's a compression garment, you know when you you stretch something, you get the lines. Yeah. So the, the lines distort, the pattern distorts, and it looks really ugly, which is why it's always beige, white, and black. Dying is the, historically the only way that we've ever colored clothing. Your, yours is dyed, yours is dyed, mine is dyed. Every person in this room, the color in their clothes has been dyed. Mm-hmm. We have a new way of putting color into clothing. We do not dye our clothes. We heat fuse color into our material. And what this enabled us to do, number one, it is so much better for the planet. Fashion alone accounts for 20% of wastewater in the world, 20%. Dyeing is the second largest cause of wastewater in the world. Second, Second largest cause. We do not dye. We heat fuse. No CO2 emissions, no wastewater. It is so good for the planet, so much better for the planet than dying. You cannot imagine. And because we heat fuse it, it doesn't act like dye. It's like elastigirl. You could stretch it from here to eternity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't budge. The color doesn't move. The, the pattern doesn't move. So for the first time, you can wear shapewear that's pretty sucks you in, but it looks like lingerie. Is no one would ever is know. Is this available now? It's going to be available starting April. Okay. We're relaunching. I mean, I have a... Um, I have a website, but we closed it because of all this divorce craziness. I couldn't focus on it. I'm relaunching it in April. And you're going to see, I mean, it's incredible. It looks like lingerie. And we fix a lot of other things. You know, the problem with shaper also is that it's thick. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make yourself thinner, but you're adding a very thick compression like, layer. Like, God forbid somebody touch you. They're like, yeah, what? Is that? <laughs> or I know women who can't button their pants when they wear it because that's this extra half an inch. Yeah. makes right. a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, we realized if we could fuse color into fabric, maybe we could fuse pieces of fabric together. And so it's as thin, it's thinner than this piece of paper. Oh. It's as thin as well, a piece of paper. We cannot wait to try this. It's unbelievable. And the other thing, excuse me, I don't know if I'm allowed to use this word. You'll tell me if I'm not. The other problem with shapewear is when it covers up, you know, above your chest, it gives you what's called pancake boobs. Because mm-hmm. right? yeah, the whole point of it is yeah. to squish you in. Yeah. It also squishes in it parts squishes. of you that you don't want to squish in. Right. <laughs> so my shapewear actually is not only sold by clothing size, it's sold by cup size. Okay, that's great. I like that. Yeah. So it actually gives women more of a bust yeah, more than curves. less. It's unbelievable. And it fits you better. And you're not sucked in because you could buy a large 38 double D or a large 38E. It right. doesn't matter. And we have the widest size range of it. I mean, I think we go up to this second season will go up to XXXL. I want every wow. woman to know that she's beautiful and fabulous and that we're not leaving her out of the equation. And then the last part of it, I'm going to say one more thing because it's yeah. very, very exciting. Season, the second season of this collection will have swimwear. For the first time, oh, you can have shapewear. That's swimwear because you'd never know the difference. It's as thin as swimwear. It doesn't dries run. like swimwear. It doesn't run. Because some of that swimwear that's like that is so... Ugly. Ugly? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be because they don't know. They can't make those colored patterns. This is genuine compression garment wear, except it looks like a bathing suit. So imagine a little um, boy short Mm -hmm. and a little tankini. Mm -hmm. You look as sexy as F, except it's sucking you in in every direction. And no one will ever know the difference because it looks exactly like any other swimmer. And then the third season, we're going to do athleisure. You know, compression, a lot of athletes wear compression when they work out. It releases toxins, you you sweat more, and you lose more calories. But no one's walking into a an Equinox wearing Spanx. Yeah. They're just so ugly. Right. But you're going to walk into an Equinox wearing plus body because it's going to look as nicer than Lululemon. 
And then we can also go to brunch after. And there you go. Yeah. Because <laughs> athleisure is my favorite type I of clothing. I love athleisure. I see the passion in everything that she does. Yeah, you can I'm see excited it. because it's all about helping women, right? Like, shapewear to me, I want to eradicate the discomfort and embarrassment of wearing shapewear. That's why I men need shapewear, too, and they're getting into that also. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll work on them well. <laughs> I'm mean, gonna. I'll be honest. There's enough men, enough help that goes to men. I'll focus on women. Of course, eventually we can get to men. But right now, and then, and then the other project that I'm working on that I'm really excited about is this brand called Amion. Mm-hmm. This woman, um, Alina Merle, she's uh, a cancer survivor. She lost uh, both breasts, and it did terrible things to her skin. And so her doctor recommended cryotherapy. And it's a f- quick freeze, quick deep yeah, freeze, like a deep yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did wonders for her skin. And she's an inventor. We're actually partnering on several projects together, but this is the one that's furthest along. Basically, she said, "I wonder how women who can't go into a cryotherapy, who can't afford cryotherapy, what can they do at home that will mimic it?" So she developed this um, skincare routine, and it's an ice cube. You keep it in your freezer, and In the morning, you go like this all over your face, and it just melts into your skin. And what it does, because it acts almost like cryotherapy, it enlarges your pores so that the the skincare that you put on afterwards goes in deep. And then the minute it dries, it shrinks your pores back in, which enables it to stay in your skin and not dissipate. It's unbelievable. It's an extraordinary thing. Yeah, look at my skin. I know. I'm like, look at your skin. (laughs) I've been using it. (laughs) <laughs> Since I've met her. So, I mean, I'm like totally obsessed with we this product. share. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to share. You know what? I'll actually send you guys. If you give me um, all of your, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send, I'll bring yeah. three boxes mm-hmm. because you're going to see it's unbelievable. I can't wait. I will try that will every day. It's amazing. And it feels kind of like a mini spa treatment. Like I'll do it in the morning and I'll close my eyes and I'll do this. And I feel like relaxed and reduced. It's like almost like a meditative thing. It's really, really, it feels amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And one final question yes, from ma'am. me for you that will help the men and women in our audience. If you had one money lesson that you've learned from all that you've been through that you think our audience could learn from, what is it? Don't trust anyone, even if they're your spouse or your best friend, put it in a contract. We don't, I didn't take enough care about contracts. I trusted instead of putting it in writing. And I think, and you know, we're made to feel bad if we don't trust our loved ones. I'm sorry. Trust is great. Put it on a piece of paper. Put it on a piece of paper. That is my biggest advice because imagine if you work and you build something and you create something of tremendous value and you didn't, you weren't careful with your paperwork. Someone will come and take it from you. And the more you succeed, when you start building a billion-dollar business, someone's going to come for you. So put everything in writing. Make sure you have the best lawyer you can possibly afford. Get it in a legal document. That is the best piece of advice I can give anybody. There you have it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that and for being so open and transparent all the time. Thank you. I, I don't know how else to do so, That's yeah. freedom, too. Yeah. Being yourself yeah. is freedom, too. Yes. And you'll make any seasonal announcements to my unorthodox life right here? 
<laughs> Again, cannot say anything about my own Orthodox life. <laughs> she can't say anything, but you know, we feel good about it. <laughs> but honestly, thank you so much for joining us, Julia Hart. Make sure you get the book, Brazen. Make sure you watch My Own Orthodox Life, seasons one and two, maybe three coming soon. We don't yeah. know. Nothing confirmed. <laughs> thank you for the pearls on this very special Wealth well, Wednesday. You guys thank are you so, much. so amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm going to make sure and I'll send you guys... Um, uh, a shapewear piece and the cryotherapy. Thing. We're gonna look good. Have nice skin. We got venture capital money. Get your there contracts go. right. You know what I'm saying. We got that good. venture capital money right, Woo! and we're also gonna make sure you guys can look at your marriage vows every seven years. Commitment ceremony. Commitment ceremony. To me, that's the most. You know. Anyway, thank okay, you guys we'll so talk. much. This we'll was talk. so much fun. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Hey, it's Angela Yee from Way Up with Angela Yee. Imagine swapping your car keys for a chance to move your body, better mental health, connecting with your community, and creating memories without spending money. Join me and embrace nature's pace by taking a walk, hike, or a bike ride with Rails to Trails Conservancy, because our time on the trail is so much more than a day outside. Get ideas for getting outside at reelstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.